What's going on, Coastal? How are you guys doing today? You guys doing good? Come on. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is uh, TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're so glad you're joining us. Hey, one thing that they asked me, there's still people coming in. So if you have some empty seats around you, if you could kind of scoot in and create some space as people are still coming into service, uh, which kind of leads me to, to something that we have going on here right now. Uh, just a great segue. Just happens to be that way. Uh, but we, coming up on August 6th and 7th that weekend, because you guys are so good at inviting your friends and your family and your coworkers and all those people to church, we're actually adding a, a fifth service here in Parkland at uh, 1245. Uh, and so that's a, that's a big deal. Good job. You should give yourselves a hand. You guys are doing a good job. Um, with that, uh, we know that we do Portuguese translation and 1130 service, and we know we have a huge Portuguese population, so we're actually going to be offering that at 1245 as well, so maybe some of you guys that are coming to this service would want to trans, maybe move to 1245 and create some space because our 1015 and our 1130 services, they're like right now. There, there's not a lot of room for other people, and, and what we know is that when the services get about 80% full, new people that walk in will look and go, well, there's no place for me, and they'll turn around and they'll go home. And I don't know about you, but I don't ever want people to turn around and not have an opportunity to have an encounter with Jesus at church. And so we want to create space and places for them. And so Parkland, if you would help me out, Lighthouse Point, you guys are doing a good job. If you guys would help me out and, and, and look at some other service times, maybe like 9 a.m. or 12.45, starting August 6th and 7th, or Saturday night at, at uh, 6.15, we have a lot of options for you. If you could help me out as your pastor and take one for the team and, and maybe go to a different service, we would we would greatly appreciate it. Now, if this is the only service you can come to, please come to this service. Let me say it like that. Uh, but if you could help us out, that would be awesome for us. And uh, I just appreciate that. And I'm excited to be back with you guys. Can you guys, real quick, can you help me welcome everybody at our Lighthouse Point location and everybody that's watching online as well? God, it's been a couple of weeks since I've been here. There's all these things I have to do that I'm forgetting about that, to remember to do. And so, man, I'm excited to be back. And uh, I was thinking about these next couple of weeks that we're going to spend together. I think it's important to, every once in a while, uh, get back to basics. Anybody, anybody ever feel that way in life? Like, there's times in our church that as it's grown and as it's expanded and all these things, I think there's moments where we have to get back to the why behind what we do. Like, what we do... Like, why do we do this? And I felt like in this season, as, as we're getting ready to add more services, as pretty soon we're going to expand into a larger facility here in Parkland and, and do some things, it's good for us to get back to the why of what we do, why we do it here at church. And, and so I thought we could take a couple of weeks and talk about who we are as a church and what we value. And so if you're a guest here with us today, I want to let you know you picked a great weekend to be at church. If you've been here for a little while checking out Coastal and going, man, what is this all about? Like the next couple of weeks are going to be really, really informative for you because you're going to really get a heartbeat of who we are as a church. And I think it's important for that. Now, let me tell you who we're not. We are not the best church out there. We're not the only church out there. We're not the perfect church out there. In fact, like we're not even in competition with other churches. Like, we're on the same team as other churches. Like, I'm not in competition with Calvary Chapel or Church by the Glaze or the Methodist Church or the Presbyterian Church. We're all on Team Jesus, and I'm cool with that. Like, I, I, I love... 
I love the fact that, that like we pray for every other churches every single weekend. That's not something we just did this weekend. We do that every weekend because we're all on the same team. We're out there fighting for people so they can have an experience with God. And so I'm not in competition with them. We're on the same team. But with that, we also realize that there's different strokes for different folks. And, and there's different flavors that people particularly care for. We just happen to think that we're the best flavor out there. I'll just let me say it like that. Okay, like we're the best flavor. They're, 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 they're like pistachio or something weird like that. And we're just, we're like chocolate or vanilla or straw. I like strawberry, so we're going to be strawberry. Uh, and, and, so, and so that's who we are. And so where our mission derives from as a church is actually a scripture in Colossians chapter one, and it says it like this. It says, so we tell others about Christ, warning and teaching everyone about all the wisdom God has given us. We wanna present them, meaning people, to God, perfect in their relationship to Christ. That's why we work and struggle so hard, and we depend on God's mighty power that works within us. And so, so that, that's how scripture says it. Let me say how we say it here at Coastal. This is how I came with, with it. I say it like this. We want to make it hard for people to go to hell by making it easy for them to go to church so people can experience, know, and follow Jesus. If you want to know who we are as a church, that's, what, that's who we are. We want to make it hard for people that are out there to go to hell by making it easy for them to come to a church, whether it's this church or any other church out there, so they can have an experience with Jesus, so they can know Jesus, and so they can follow Jesus all the days of their lives. That's my passion. That's our mantra. You're going to find out a lot more about that here today. And, and so why don't you guys grab those notes that are on your chair, wave them in the air like you just don't care. Come on, grab the notes. Come on, Coastal. You know how we do this. If I don't see your notes, I'm not going to move forward, okay? So people are grabbing their notes now, okay. I, I see you back there, sir. You're, you got your arms crossed. I'll see you, I'll call you out. There you go, there you go. Okay, okay, I got it. Now you're engaged. So why don't you grab a pen and get ready. We're gonna dive in. Number one is this. Here's what we want people to do. We want people to experience Jesus. We want people to experience Jesus. And for us, this is all about evangelism. And listen, I, I get it that evangelism has a bad connotation out there for some reason. Some people might call it proselytizing. I, I just simply believe that if I've discovered something I love and I love you, why would I not want to tell you about something I love? Because when you experience something that I love, you might love it too. Like, I don't see anything wrong with that. We do that with restaurants. We do that with clothing. We do that with experiences. But here's the deal. If we have the hope of the world that has changed and transformed our life, why would we not tell everybody about that? Yeah. Like, if Jesus has changed everything for everyone he's ever encountered, why wouldn't we want everybody to have that experience? And so I think that evangelism or sharing our faith or sharing about what God has done in our life, is such a critical component to who we are. And here's the deal as a church, we want every man, woman, and child to have multiple opportunities to hear the life-giving message of Jesus. We think it's our mandate as a church. Like we wanna make sure that every single person in Parkland, every single person in Coral Springs, every single person in Coconut Creek, Every single person in Pompano Beach, every single person in Deerfield Beach, every single person in Lighthouse Point, every single person in Boca. Heck, we even want every single person in Margate to have a life-giving experience with Jesus Christ. Like we want them to encounter that. 
The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10 that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Like it isn't just for some people. It isn't just for a select chosen group of people. It says everyone. That means that your neighbor, your coworker, your family member, your son, your daughter, that person that cut you off on 95 on the way to church, like every single one of them, God wants them to have an opportunity to call on his name so they can experience salvation. But here's the deal. What happens so many times is we make church about us. And if we're honest, it's the reason why we pick certain churches. Because you're like, just like I said, oh, it's a certain flavor. Well, I like that flavor, right? That's why you chose it. Because it's about you and it's not about them. And we forget that God doesn't want any to perish. Like not a single one. So it can't always be about us. Like it's got to be about them. And listen, we, we want you to enjoy church. That's why we have gourmet coffee. It's why we have really great singers and musicians and incredible people in kids ministry and people that are greeting you that like that you just met that want to be like family to you it's why it's why there's cool lights and led walls and all like all like we want that to be we want this to be a good experience for you but all of these things are just tools they're not the end all be all like we're going to build bigger buildings not so that we can be more comfortable it's so that more people can experience jesus like we're adding more services, not just so you can be comfortable, it's so that more people can come to know him and know him intimately. Yes. Like, because that's what it's all uh, about. And so if you are here and you've been found by God, congratulations. Like, that's awesome. But that's not the end all, be all in life. Like this place is always gonna be about those that do not yet know. But here's the deal. You have a part to play in making that happen. Like you actually have a very intricate and critical part to making that happen. Check out what, what the rest of Romans chapter 10 says in verse 14. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That's why scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. See, the goal is, is that once we're found, once that we've discovered and experienced a relationship with God, now that we've discovered that, now it's our time to go out and help others discover that. Like we have an obligation to be the good news, the beautiful news to people that are lost and dying out there that are searching for answers in life when we have the answer to life. Like he's wanting to use you. And I think so many times we forget at least, at least I don't forget. I don't forget how broken and how lost and how addicted I was before I met Christ. And when I met Christ, he changed everything in my life. 
And because I'm so amazed still by his grace and his mercy and his love that he had for me, like I, I won't shut up about it. And I got a big mouth. And so I want everybody else to hear that. Because the goal wasn't for me just to get saved. Just like when I married Shayla, the goal wasn't that I married Shayla. The goal is that I would get to do life with her for the rest of my life. Like, the end all wasn't the wedding day. The end all was the day after the wedding day. It's like, and the day after that, and the day after that, and the day after that. Because it isn't just about having an experience with God, which we want every single person to do. It's about, number two, us actually knowing God. It's about us having a relationship with him because a lot of times what people do is they equate church with religion and our goal here isn't to become religious. Our goal here is that you would develop an intimate relationship with the creator of the universe who loves you so much. That's why Jesus' prayer in John chapter 17, right near the end of his life, he's, he says it like this, and this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, he's talking about God. The only true God and, and Jesus Christ, the one who you sent to earth. Jesus' prayer was is that you and I, we would know God and that we would have eternal life. And how we have eternal life is by knowing God. What did Jesus come for? So that we would know God. What did Jesus die for? So that we would know God. What were you made for? To know God. What's the best thing on this world, in this world? Banana pudding. After knowing God. Any banana pudding fans? Any southern people here? Okay, a couple of us. I, 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 love, I love me some banana pudding. I'm a banana pudding fan. Let me just say this. There's a big difference between knowing about God and knowing God. Just like there's a big difference between knowing about banana pudding and, and, and knowing banana pudding. Now, now, I got some banana pudding here, and, 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 and here's what you need to know. I've had a relationship with banana pudding longer than I've had a relationship with anything else on this earth. <laughs> like, banana pudding and I are close. In fact, in all of my travels, I other, always try to find southern restaurants because I know at southern restaurants and barbecue joints, they always have banana pudding. It's why I like southern weddings and funerals, because at the end of either, there's always banana pudding. Like it always ends with like you here's potato salad, banana pudding. It's like, it's like I could go do away with the potato salad, but give me the banana pudding like that. That will soothe my soul. It doesn't matter how they died. I'm happy now. Like, like I just don't want to know about banana pudding. I, I, I want to know banana pudding. Like, don't tell me the ingredients. Like, I, I don't want to know that there's vanilla wafers and there, there's sugar and, and there's some baking powder. Like, I don't want to know about or what's in the banana pudding. Here's what I want to do. I want to, I want to know banana pudding. I'm make sure I know that this is for Jesus, y'all. So just, just I, like I got to help him today in this illustration. Yeah, yeah. See, there's a difference between 
knowing about God yeah. and actually knowing God. See, the Bible says, taste and see what? That the Lord is good. See, knowing about God is, is, is religion. Knowing God personally is about a relationship to this God that is so committed to knowing you. I love how Paul prayed to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 1. He says this, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. He's praying for them and he's thousands of miles away. And I want you to see that your influence in life is not related to your proximity in life. Listen, the prayers that you're praying for your friends and your family and that, that wayward child, like they are powerful. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Paul's prayer right here is, is that you would know God. And my prayer for you, church, is that you would know God and the eyes of your heart would be opened up and you would know the wisdom and the revelation knowledge of how big and how wide and how deep God's love for you is. See, I think this should be our prayer every day. Because when you know God, you know his will. When you know God, you know his ways. When you know God, you know you, know you can trust his heart. When you know God, you can trust him, you can believe him, you can serve him. Why? Because you know God. And here's what I found in life. The more you know God, the less attractive sin is in your life. And some of you are like, well, sin is so attractive. You want to know why? Because that's the only thing that you've known. And so when you don't know good, you'll settle for bad. But the moment that you actually taste and see how good God is, you'll start looking at sin and you'll be like, oh, man, that's nasty. Why? Because you've experienced something so much better because you've gotten to know something that you had no idea about before. I think the problem for a lot of us isn't that sin is super attractive. I think uh, the problem for a lot of us is, is that, that we think we know God. We get to this place where, where we've been in relationship so long that we've read the book. We, we, we've been in church for the last 20 years. And so we're like, oh man, I've been there, done that, heard this, know it all. The problem with that is, is that I've known my wife since we were 11 years old. We've been married for almost 23 years now. And here's what I know, is the Shayla I met at 11 is not the same Shayla that is now 43. In fact, the Shayla that I married at 21 is not the Shayla that I was married to at 30. And it sure as heck ain't the same Shayla that's married to now at 43. Why? Because we change. We grow. We become a product of our experiences and our life. And what I've found in our relationship is anytime there is tension in our relationship, it's never because 
of, of the tension of the relationship, it's because I've gotten complacent in the relationship and just assumed because I've been in a relationship with Shayla for so long that I know how she thinks. I know what her favorite things are. In fact, when she talks, I can finish her sentences because we've been together so long. But the reality is, is that when I get complacent, the tension in our relationship is I have stopped pursuing her and therefore I don't know her as well as I used to. And for a lot of us, what's happened is, is we, we, we've been around it so long that we think, well, I know that and we've stopped pursuing God and we wonder why there's a divide in the relationship with God in our life. Because we're never to call to stop pursuing. And some of you guys, I know your pushback. Well, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is true. He is consistent in his nature. But the Bible says that the angels, when they see a new facet of them, they cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. And so if the angels who have been in heaven for thousands of years, still when they see an infinite newness of God, cry out, holy, 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 how in our finite minds can we perceive and comprehend an infinite God? We have to continually pursue him. We have to continually go, man, I, I got to know more about him. It's why, it's why one day you read a scripture and it speaks to you. And then a month later you read the same, same scripture and it says something completely different. Why? Because you've grown and so God is speaking differently to you. So he wants us to not only experience him, but to know him personally and intimately. This can't be your mom's relationship or your cousin's relationship or your friend's relationship with God. No, no, no. It has to be personal. And here's the deal. As we know him, here's what he wants us to do. Number three, he wants us to follow him. And this is like a continual thing. And I know some of you are like, well, TJ, how long should I follow him? Till you die. <laughs> like, this is not a destination thing. It's a lifestyle thing. Yeah. It's kind of like when you choose to become healthy. Most people, when they choose to become healthy, here's what they do. They go on a diet. They go, I want to lose 10 pounds. It's a destination. So what do they do? They go out and lose 10 pounds. They go, I've achieved and then three months later, they've gained 20. Then they go, you know what? I better go on another diet to lose 20 pounds. They come over here, they lose 20 pounds. I've achieved. Three months later, they've gained 30. Why? Because you just went to a destination. And once you met it, you stopped doing it. You stop following that protocol. You stop following that diet. And God isn't calling us to follow a diet. He's calling us to adopt a lifestyle. A lifestyle of following Jesus because here's what I know about your health. Here's what I know about your spiritual life. We, none of us will ever arrive. If you think that there's a destination, like I'm just going to get here and then I'm good, I'm set, you're smoking crack. <laughs> like we have to continually pursue God. I, I love this verse. In fact, it's a verse that kind of messes with me. It's, Jesus spoke it in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. He, says, he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. I, I don't know why this, this verse, it's just interesting. He says, follow me, and then here's the promise. He says, I will make you. He's talking to Peter and Andrew here. He says, if you, you aren't where you want to be, 
and you aren't where you need to be, but here's the deal. If you'll follow me, I'll help you become who I created you to be. And for some of us, this is our story. We aren't who we used to be, but we aren't yet where we want to be. And God is saying to us today, if you'll follow me, I'll help you become the person I actually created you to be. And some of you think, well, well, I, I, I just can't become the person that God wants me to be. And the reason you believe that is because you got around religious people in church who gave you a whole bunch of rules and regulations that if you want to follow Jesus, here's what it entails. And Jesus never gave a whole bunch of rules and regulations. He gave one simple instruction, follow me. Like, we've overcomplicated our faith. It's really, really simple. I'm going to trust in him, and I'm going to follow him. And listen, in the very beginning, it's hard to follow something that you're not used to following. Yeah. Like, it's, diff- it's like following a diet. The day that you start, it's hard eating salad and chicken. When you're used to Skittles and Mountain Dew. <laughs> but over time... It gets easier. Like over time, you start to realize, oh, here's how he loved. That's how I'll love. Oh, here's how he served. That's how I'll serve. Oh, here's how he gave. That's how I'll give. Why? Because you're following a model. I learned this about 10 years ago. There was this, uh, there was this, this DVD fitness craze going on about 10 or 11 years ago. And there was one particular one that kind of ran through our church at the time. And it was called Insanity by Shanti. Anybody remember Insanity by Shanti? Like, I remember, I remember when Insanity came out, some people in our church started doing it. I was like, man, we, we're going to try that. So Shayla and I, we bought the DVDs. We cleared out all the furniture in our living room because you had to have a lot of space to be able to do this. And the first workout, I'll never forget it. The first workout was uh, an evaluation of your health. So you had to do all these different things that you were eventually going to do. You had to do jumping jacks and push-ups and plyometrics and all this crazy stuff. And I remember going through the workout of just evaluating my health. And at the end of this, this about 30-minute workout, I was laying on our living room floor, out of breath, sweating and cursing Sean T's name. You know what I'm saying? Like, I thought to myself, if I ever see Sean T in public, first thing I'm doing is I'm just punching him in the throat. Like, he's going down. Like, I do not like this guy. But I made a commitment. I was going to do this. And so we started doing that. And, and that first week, man, I struggled. I struggled to keep up. I struggled to do the movements. Man, it was hard. It was difficult. Like about 20 minutes in, I would quit because I just was like, I couldn't move. I had like muscle fatigue and, and it just hurt every day. But week two, I started getting a little bit better. By week three, I could do everything that Sean T could do. By week four, I was better than Sean T and realized that half the class, he was walking around talking to people while I was doing all the work. (laughs) And here's what I know. In the beginning of following Jesus, it's going to seem awkward and weird and hard. But if you'll keep following him, it'll become easier in life. He wants us to follow, but here's the deal. So many of us, instead of following, we've settled for a passive Christianity where we'll come to church and we'll receive and we'll leave, and that's the extent of our faith. I'll come and get fed, and I'll learn, but listen, Jesus isn't here to inform. He's here to transform. 
And transformation doesn't happen with reflection. It actually happens with some action. And sometimes action, you know what it does? It hurts. It costs us something. It causes some things to happen in our life called change. In fact, Jesus said it like this in Matthew 16. He said, then to, he said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, again, following, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and what? Follow me. He says, but if you try to hang on to your life, which is what so many of us are trying to do, we're trying to hang on to the ways that we've always done things, what we've known in our past, what, what has been so easy and convenient and comfortable for us. He says, listen, you hold on to that, you're gonna, you're, you're gonna lose it. But here's the deal, if you'll let go of that and you'll begin to follow me, here's what will happen. You'll actually save your life. What do you hear all throughout the scripture? Action. It's this idea that following Jesus actually requires a response from our life. And here's the problem. Culturally, we live in a society today that is way more comfortable with information than it is intimacy. That's why when we go to define spiritual maturity, we always define it by how long you've been a Christian how well you pray, the right words that you can say, how many verses you have memorized. We define it by information. And Jesus, all throughout his life, was constantly pushing back, saying it isn't about what you know, it's about what you actually do. Because information doesn't ever cause us to be responsible to anyone where relationship always makes us make a choice between am I going to care about somebody or am I not? And what happens is when we're more comfortable with information than intimacy, we get overwhelmed. And over time, what happens is this spiritual gluttony begins to set in. And so what happens is people flood the church's doors and here's what they demand. They demand, feed me. Here's what it looks like. And here's what pastors all over the country are having to do. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. Open wide. Feed me. Meet my needs. Me. Because they've made it about them. And when the church goes, no, 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 it's not about you. It's about them that don't yet know. They pack up their Bible and put it under their arm and head off to the next church. 
where they'll meet their demands. And they say to themselves, well, that church was just shallow. And I'm mature. The problem with that kind of thinking is, is, is most Christians are educated far beyond their level of obedience. And the fundamental expectation of what Jesus was about in the New Testament isn't just knowing what Jesus said, but actually doing what Jesus asked us to do. He said, deny yourself. Like, put away your selfishness. Pick up your cross and follow me. And my greatest fear, church, for our church and for the church as a whole, is that we would create a lot of fans of Jesus, but very few followers of him. Where people would go, you know what, I'm going to live how Jesus lived. I'm going to serve how Jesus served. I'm going to give how Jesus gave. I'm going to be in community like Jesus was in community. I'm going to sacrifice the way that he sacrificed. I'm going to love the way he loved. I'm going to extend grace the way that he extended grace. I'm going to hear the way that he heard. I'm going to care the way that he cared. I'm going to be what Jesus was here on this earth. That is our mandate. The idea of Christian is, is you look Christ-like. And so my question is, is when the world looks at you, do they see Christ? Or do they just see somebody that's selfish and consumed with themselves? When they look at you, do they experience grace? Do they experience mercy? Do they experience love? Do they experience truth? Do they experience forgiveness? Do they experience reconciliation? Because that's what being a follower of Jesus is. It's not only experiencing those things for ourselves, but it's being that experience for every man, woman, and child out there that has yet to experience it. See, Jesus wasn't calling us to more rules. He was calling us to a new way of living. So how are you living? I want to end with a story. It's, it's actually my, probably my favorite story. It's a story of a, a father and a son. Uh, the son's name is Paco. And it took place in Spain in the early 1900s. And Paco and his father had some differences in their home of what his future was going to look like. There's a lot of animosity and there's a lot of frustration in the relationship. And one day it finally came to a head and Paco told his father, I, I, I'm going to move out. Can't do this anymore. 
And so he packed up his things and took off for Madrid, the capital city of Spain. And his father thought to himself, oh man, he'll just be gone for an hour or a day. He'll be back. But an hour went by, a day went by, two days went by, a week goes by. And he realizes this is way more serious than he thought it was. And so immediately he knows exactly where Paco went. He went to Madrid. So he travels to the city and starts searching up and down streets looking for Paco. The problem is, is after a couple days of searching, he realized that there's way more people than there is time. And there's way more streets than he's ever going to have the time to get down to maybe just maybe by happenstance run into Paco. And so in a last ditch effort to find his son, he takes out an ad in the local newspaper, the El Liberal. In the Sunday headlines, this is what the advertisement said. He says, Paco, meet me at the Hotel Montana at noon on Tuesday. All is forgiven. Love, Papa. And so the father puts it out there, just hoping, just hoping that maybe Paco would see the news that week. Monday goes by, he's anxious, he's, he's nervous. Tuesday comes and it's almost noontime and he goes to the Hotel Montana right at noon. And he walks in and talks to the front desk person. He says, I, I'm here for my son Paco. Has anybody came looking for somebody by that name? And the, the clerk says, sir, you must come with me. And he takes this father and he leads him out into the courtyard of the Hotel Montana where 800 Pacos are waiting to experience forgiveness and love from their father. See, if we needed an education, God would have sent a teacher. If we needed finances, God would have sent a business person. If we needed technology, God would have sent a scientist. But God knew that our greatest need in this life was forgiveness and reconciliation with our Father. So he sent his one and only Son to pay the ultimate price so that we could have life and we could have it more abundantly. That's why he sent Jesus. And church, I want you to know that we're called to be the Hotel Montana. Where, where sons can come to experience the love of their father in a way like never before. And here's what I know, is that you're called to be the newspaper, El Liberal. That you're to be an advertisement every single day of your life that all is forgiven. All you got to do is meet God at the Hotel Montana and he'll save you and he'll forgive you and he'll transform you. And listen, none of the, very few people are ever going to pick up this book and read it, but they're going to read your life every single day. What is it preaching? Is it preaching the love and the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness that we've gotten to experience?
God wants to use you. He saved you so he could send you out into a mission to make it hard for people to go to hell and make it easy for them to go to church so they can experience God so they can know God and ultimately follow him and jump on mission with you to go reach another one and another one and another one. Would you guys just bow your heads and pray with me? God, I pray today that as a church, that for every man, for every woman, for every student that's in here, God, that you would light a fire in our souls. God, that we wouldn't just have an experience with you where we get the hope of heaven, but God, that we would have a passionate pursuit of you on a daily basis. That this wouldn't just be a Sunday thing that we do, but it would be a Monday thing and a Tuesday thing and a Wednesday thing and a Thursday thing and a Friday thing and a Saturday and a Sunday. And it would be on repeat in our lives that every day we're passionately pursuing you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. God, that, that we would be so in tune with your voice that when you speak and say go, we would go. When you say to sit and stay, we would sit and stay because we, we know that you're calling us to, to emulate and be the, the living gospel for people to see in their lives. The hope of heaven. God, I pray that you would give us conversations with people that we've never had conversations before with. God, I pray that you would encounter, we would encounter opportunities where we would know that these are God moments for us to share what God has done in our life. God, I pray that, that we would have these, these moments where we know that you're moving in this midst and it's our time to share our testimony of how God has changed our life because we've experienced something we love and we want somebody else to have that same experience in their life. God, so that others can actually taste and see that the Lord is good through the goodness of what he's done in our lives. God, thank you for saving us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for transforming us. But here's what I also know, that there's some people in here that as we're talking about this, that there is a God that loved, that was willing to send his only son, that you might know a lot about God. You might know the information, but you don't actually know God. Like, you don't have a relationship. You've got some rules. You've got some religion. Maybe you've got your mom's, your mom's faith or your dad's faith or your grandma's faith, but you don't have your faith. Like, you don't have that experience with God that changes everything for everybody. And maybe today is the day that you need to have that. You're not here on accident. You're not here by happenstance. I believe you're here on purpose, with a purpose, for a purpose, and on purpose. And God wants to meet you right here so that he can change everything about your life, whether you're in Lighthouse Point or right here in Parkland. It says that anyone, that means you, that calls on the name of the Lord can be saved. And it says if we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord, that we can spend eternity in heaven. That we can have this relationship with our creator that starts right here, right now. If that's you here today with every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, you know what, Pastor TJ, I, I, I need to experience that in my life. If you just slip your hand up at the count of three, I'd love to pray a simple yet significant prayer with you that will help you start on that journey. One, two, three. Three, go ahead and slip those hands up. No shame in this place. Yes, ma'am, I see you. Thank you. One, yes, two. Who else? Three, four, five, six. Who else? Don't miss your moment. Yes, sir, seven. Thank you. Anybody else? 
If you'll pray this prayer in your heart as I pray it out loud, say, God, thank you for loving me so much that you would give your greatest sacrifice that you could possibly give your son, Jesus. Thank you for the perfection he lived here on earth and the death that he paid on the cross of Calvary for my sin and my shame. God, I ask you to forgive me of my past, change my present, and secure my future through his resurrection. I ask you to come into my heart and take over. I don't just want to have an experience today. God, I want to know you. And not only do I want to know you, I want to follow you. Help me to experience your love and your mercy and your grace and your kindness and your goodness all the days of my life. God, I surrender my will. I surrender my way. I love you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.